Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pasha. My name is Gottfried Boafo. And I'm Inas Kosala. Thanks for joining us. On the 25th of July, a Japanese-owned but Panama-registered ship called the MV Wakashu grounded on coral reefs in Mauritius. The cargo ship, empty of fuel but filled with diesel and fuel oil, laid still for a week before cracks emerged in the ship's hull. Then the oil leak began. Here to tell us more is Mauritian Adam Moina, a lecturer in environment and sustainability at Kiel University in the United Kingdom. He starts by telling us why a fuel oil leak like this is a problem. The problem when you dump uh, tons of oil into a lagoon like this is that it represents a massive poisonous shock to the system. This will have cascading effects across the webs of life, so not only affecting the birds you'll see with oil-coated feathers, but also life on land is seemingly physically untouched by the oil. Even when the oil is visibly gone, there will be impacts for a long time. We can't predict how long from oil that remains embedded in the lagoon and mangrove sediments. Long-term toxic impacts of oil particles persisting in soils uh, will be a particular problem uh, for mangroves with continuing disturbance of the particularly complex and varied mangrove ecosystem. The type of oil dumped matters too. When lighter oil products like petrol or diesel are spilled, there's a lot of toxic fumes, but much of the oil will soon evaporate. Heavy fuel oil, like as spilled here, releases less toxic fumes, but is much stickier, smothering and longer persisting in the marine environment. The coral reefs are at particular risk. They already suffer stress from local coastal pollution and from climate change with rising seas and increasing hot periods. This additional stressor could lead to substantial death. The coral in the area are really diverse. 38 species across 58 families have been recorded at Blue Bay Marine Park, which is a Ramsar site. This means that it has international importance. Degraded coral reefs and mangroves will affect coastal erosion and sediment processes. How can the current problem be solved? Whilst much of the oil has already dispersed amongst the waters of the lagoon and is now weathering and sinking into the sediments, presenting a long-term source of chronic toxicity, we need urgently to remove as much oil as possible from coastlines. The removed oil and oil-soaked booms need to be safely stored and disposed of without leaching into the land and sea environments. The reef on which the ship directly wrecked will take decades, if not centuries, to physically recover. Coral grows slowly and the physical structure will have been broken and destabilised to an as yet unknown degree. As soon as the wreck is removed, any remaining debris needs to be taken from the site and salvaged so that it doesn't continue to cause physical damage. Restoration of the wreck site needs to take place as a priority with physical stabilisation and transplantation of new live coral colonies likely to be needed. We should probably anticipate widespread mortality of mangrove seedlings and depending on the extent of death of mature trees too, appropriate plants need drawing up to replant and protect these ecosystems that play a vital role in coastal protection from storms and in supporting fisheries. Data collection is urgently needed to establish an evidence base for ensuring compensation and for guiding restoration efforts. Government support is needed for local people who've had their livelihoods affected. In particular, fishers who've had their income wiped out completely. Fishers have reported less fish in the lagoon. And when they do catch fish, no one wants to buy them, as can be imagined. Is the government doing enough? Government was too slow in responding to the grounding and seemed to be complacent in the time 
that was assumed could be taken in a floating vessel. It is thanks to grassroots efforts by local people, environmental groups and businesses that the oil slick was initially contained and some oil removed before it had time to weather and disperse into the lagoon waters and sediments. There is a lot of anger reported locally at a lack of clear communication and effective engagement with people by government. These issues need to be addressed by transparency in decisions made at the time and in what actions will be put in place now and for the future to help the environment recover and to rescue lost livelihoods. This isn't the first time a ship has run aground in Mauritius. What needs to happen to stop problems like these in the future? I watched four years ago from Blue Bay, a smaller bull carrier, the MV Benita, suddenly appear wrecked on the reef, just seven kilometers away from where the Wakashio wrecked. There was sheer disbelief at how a ship of that size that could carry 40,000 tons cargo could just crash into Mauritius without the authorities knowing, and more importantly, without apparently having the capacity to intervene before it crashed. Surely a lesson should have been learned by the authorities. The MV Wakashio is five times bigger by cargo capacity than the MV Benita, and yet somehow a large ship was again able to just crash into Mauritius. How can that be? Mauritius is a nation that controls a much greater area of the Indian Ocean than simply the island of Mauritius. We have an exclusive economic zone of nearly 2 million square kilometres, stretching north to Seychelles, through the St. Brandon and Agalaga island groups, and east to the island of Rodrigues. We must have the capability to repel a boat that threatens our main island. It feels almost bizarre to say this, but we should be grateful this wasn't one of the oil tankers that ply the international shipping lanes that go past Mauritius. The key lesson government should take is that Mauritius needs monitoring and awareness to detect incoming ships on collision course. The country also needs the physical capability to deploy in time to intercept them. If there is a next time, it could be an oil super tanker carrying tons of oil and not fuel. The country must be able to ensure that if a ship grounds again, it is refloated and removed from the reef urgently. Can you tell us a little bit about the island that was affected? So you may have seen from some of the aerial footage that uh, the Wakashio has wrecked by round flat island. That's Ilo Zagret. It has been managed since the 1980s by the Mauritian Wildlife Foundation and is a flagship for conservation in Mauritius. It has the last remaining coastal ebony forest in Mauritius and has been painstakingly restored uh, as an example of the um, native uh, ecosystem. Around 20% of the Mauritius pink pigeon is in this region. This is one of the world's rarest birds. In the 1990s, there were just nine individuals. There are a number of other rare birds and reptiles on this island, and their homes are threatened by this pollution. Wrecks like these have devastating effects on the environment. Measures need to be put in place to ensure that they are stopped before they happen. Thanks for tuning into this episode, produced by Ozer Patel. From me, Gottfried Boaf. And from me, Ines Kosana. Bye for now.